Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe Devine. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, okay. And JJ Bull, the bulldog, the bull man, the bulldozer is back. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah, you have a nice few days at home? Did I? I did. It's <laughs> good. You've asked yourself the question yeah. and you've answered it. I, Lovely job. I, and I did it well. Yes, you did. Do you know who else did something well today? Uh, Denmark. It was Denmark. Yes, that's yeah. what I meant to say. I thought it was going to be The Athletic. No, no, it was Denmark. That will, There'll be another segue for that. Yeah, all right. Uh, we're going to be talking about Denmark today. 4-1 against Russia. What a game. That was really, particularly the second half was very, very exciting. Lots of poignancy in that game too. Football as fun. Football as fun. Yeah. Meaningful yeah. football. Meaningful it's football. It's been a bit of a d- dearth of meaningful football. That was meaningful football. It will, I think that second half will stay with me for quite a long time. That was, mm-hmm. that was uh, very affecting. Seeing uh, Yusuf Paulson celebrate and the Andreas Christensen goal and the way that um, the way the beer came cascading down from the stands yep. and the noise in that ground. And, and we, we mentioned this last time, but also that, you know, Christian Eriksen was treated just 400 yards away. It's, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because to, to go back onto that pitch where something so awful happened. Oh, of course it was the same pitch. It was the right? same pitch yeah. and same dressing room, same sort of set of memories and experiences. And to play that way, I, I, I'm full of admiration for Denmark. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Well, we'll be admiring Denmark shortly. Um, we won't be admiring Ukraine a bit later on. Uh, and uh, Seb will be eating his words yet again on Austria. It's like the fourth night in a row. Alex called it the TIFO curse on YouTube, uh, on, on Twitter, sorry. I'm pretty sure it's just the Seb curse. I don't know. <laughs> It's not even a curse, it's just getting stuff wrong. It's just getting stuff wrong. (laughs) Well, there we go. We'll talk about Ukraine and Austria, uh, Netherlands and North Macedonia, of course, too, as well as a bit maybe on Belgium and Finland. Other things we'll be discussing this evening are the Scotland-England COVID situation, which is interesting. I haven't read anything about that, so I'm curious to hear from Seb what's going on. A bit on the final staging, uh, Budapest and Italy and and uh, London, of course. Uh, And uh, if and when there's time, and hopefully there will be, we will have a look forward to tomorrow. Uh, when England and Scotland are playing. And we've got, uh, of course, JJ here, who's Scottish. So he's excited and or trepidatious. I'm so, yeah, I don't know yet. I'll know tomorrow and I'll tell you what the result's going to be in the morning. Yeah. Pretty much say, like, as one of those magical creatures of the forest who reveals (laughs) the secrets to you. Good. Okay. Well, I can't can't wait for you to reveal your secrets to me tomorrow. I'll look forward to that. Uh, do you know where else you can have secrets revealed for an extremely uh, low price? In fact, nay, free for 30 days, JJ. I think it's theathletic.com. Yeah, it is. And you know what? N- normally those segues don't make any sense, but that one makes quite a lot of sense because it really in some ways is a secrets revealed place at times, isn't it, Seb? It's full of sources, full of information, full of breaking news stories. Very exciting. Mm. If you like information, you won't find it anywhere else that's better than The Athletic, if it's specifically about uh, sports. Obviously, if it's not about sports and you prefer different kinds of information, don't go there, because you won't f- probably won't find it. Hey, if uh, if you were after a different type of information, Old Red Lion Theatre Pub, have a conversation with Uncle Damien. <laughs> don't confuse the ads. Of, That's not an ad. No. It is in a way. No, no, hold, we'll come back to Uncle Damien. But seriously, visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, and you'll find that you can get a 30-day free trial to read, honestly, some of the best writers about football uh, in in the world, I would say, in the world. It's extremely fun, and uh, I cannot sit down anywhere without opening it on my app, on my phone, these days. 
so visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. 30-day free trial. You've nothing to lose. Anyway, we'll start the uh, episode now. And uh, in order to do so, I will leave you in the uh, the warm hands of uh, JJ Bull the Bullard and... <laughs> and Sebastian Stafford Bloor. Okay, beginning. We are beginning. This is the beginning, and we're going to talk about Denmark 4, 1 Russia. Uh, there were a number of uh, fantastic goals in this game, Seb, but there was one in particular which was um, just delightful. It might be my favourite memory. there were two in particular which were just delightful, but one, one was more of a moment goal and the other was more of a technique goal. Yeah, I think goal three because uh, we were all invested in it. and we That were, was Christensen. Christensen's goal, really pure hit. From a centre half, mm. which kind of made the evening feel a little bit more unusual and fantastic, and we all celebrated it. We were all sure. obviously in the office. You jumped out of your chair. I did. Well, I, I was out of my chair anyway because I I was um, mourning a, a mischance and a good save from the Russian keeper, mm. and then it went in, and we all kind of exploded a little bit. Sure, it was uh, might be my favourite moment of our little tifo bubble. Really? Yeah, it's great. It's really great. It was mm. uh, it was very cathartic. Um, I know we could be quite trite to kind of talk about football when something like that has happened, but um, it just is very affecting watching people succeed at something when the outcome means so much to them and so much to the people that are watching on sure. the nation. And and probably Christian Eriksen, wherever he is, hopefully at home, recovering. Um, yeah. It's just lovely. Just lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Denmark, of course, uh, absolutely deserved the win as well. I mean, we can come on to talk a little bit about Russia if we so choose, uh, who didn't offer a huge amount to, to the game. Uh, but Denmark were fantastic. They were fast-paced. They were incisive. Uh, they were aggressive. They just seemed to sort of do everything right, particularly towards the end of the game. They did. It felt like towards the end of the game, they rode momentum and Russia kind of quit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's controversial to say that. But I thought Denmark were, they weren't just about sort of um, bravery and wanting it more and, you know, don't like it football. Um, they were technically really good. Mikhail Darmstadt will attract the headlines. I didn't know very much about him during the tournament, before the tournament, but I've, I've really enjoyed watching him. Mm. Pierre Emil Hoiberg was absolutely brilliant in oh, the yeah? midfield. Yeah, I thought he was great. Um, and it was just they were, they were, they were just better in every position, and it was lovely to see. And actually, I'm not really convinced about the goalkeeping about the uh, about the penalty. God, I'm knackered, <laughs> absolutely knackered. Sorry. I'm not the sure Christians about the penalty, took Joe. your last bit of energy it did. reserves. That was, that was all I had left to give yeah. today. Uh, I'm not convinced about the penalty, so I think Denmark deserved to win by, um, you know, by a broader margin, actually. But it was it was great. JJ, we I'm reading on Twitter, I don't understand the permutation. Seb's going to explain it all to me later. But I'm reading on Twitter that Denmark will play Wales in the next round. Ooh. Is that right? Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> no. Oh, I, God. I'm dealing with the permutations strictly to do with third place finishes. <laughs> wait, of course they will because, uh, wait, let me just work this out. Uh, Denmark finished second in their group because Belgium beat Finland. Correct. And yeah. the second place team in B places the, faces the second place team in A. We know, okay, it's so, actually easy. They are playing Wales in no, the good. second round. Um, and yes, they are playing them. That'll be a really interesting uh, knockout game to watch, won't it? Quite, quite, I mean, both teams offering quite different things. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I genuinely think Wales might be the better team just now. Maybe I'm very wrong. I think Wales just have a... We also have those kind of stars, like Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale are, are genuinely really very, very, very good. 
best seed so far in this tournament, I think. And while Denmark were good today, I think Russia were dreadful mm-hmm. and pretty yeah. easy to beat. They were just waiting basically to get beat. Like they ran out of energy at the last part of it. I don't know. Um, and I think with Denmark have, I think Damsgaard's was their creative spark. And he's basically come in since Ericsson's not been able to play. He's come in and provided that kind of spark. He normally plays off the, it's like a AMLC if you're playing football manager. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about him before? Um, yes. He has flair between 12 and 17. <laughs> <laughs> no, very little. I, I, I'd heard of him. I, I've, he'll appeared in a couple of games or something like that. Is that Sampdoria? <clears throat> he is 21, I think. Maybe 20. I can't even get his, na- his age right. Um, but yeah, so he, I mean, he didn't even come off the bench in the first game. Uh, kept him off and you can see that he's playing sort of like a 10 pretty much but they were playing they played two behind Paulson today I think like a 3-4-3 three, three kind of shape and uh, he just moved into those spaces and that, that, that first touch he took for so his goal was the other one it was lovely right mm, the one that yeah. in the corner the technique one almost yeah and I, I wonder I, I don't know enough about goalkeeping whether the goalkeeper slightly out of position but I think it's Bad of me to have even pointed that out because the t- the strike is so perfect. But uh, even the first touch, he gives it a little bit of cushion so he's, he can run onto it, and then defender who's up against him one v one just doesn't know quite where to go because he thinks he's going to kill it dead, but he doesn't. Mm. He keeps it moving. Yeah. So the ball's still moving rather than being dead, which is really important in that bit. It seems to me like a goalkeeper ordinarily, when when a when a shot's being shaped up in that position, he sets his feet, he gets into his kind of his his stance, and it felt as if that shift between the feet and shot happened so quickly. And there's a couple of defenders in the way as well. Goalkeeper never even had a chance to to prepare himself. So it looks like it's just bad goalkeeping. I don't. I think that does a, a disservice to the strike. No, just that I, good. He's, he's so central as well, and yeah. that's the thing. Like, so Dansgaard can basically pick right or left, or yeah. top corner. He wants to put it. You still have to get the ball over the keeper and in. It's a really pure strike as well. It's almost yeah. um, it's almost slightly knuckleball-y, the way he um, the way he kind of carves through the ball as well. It's very very nice hit. Well, actually, I disagree with that. I don't think it's knuckleball at all. Oh, tell me I why. I think it's simply an out inside of the foot put through. If you knuckleball it, you don't want to get any spin in it, but he's put curl on it to get it up and over. Even the way that he kind of, the way that he strikes the ball well, you, is you, kind of uh, you it. sort of punch it. A knuckleball, you've got to be, the ball's got to be straight and it's not meant to, to spin at all because that's how you get the, the movement on the... So how, when, when you when you want to take a, a knuckleball free kick, where are you hitting the ball to do it? Uh, I think you're meant to hit it just on the valve. like it's on the valve In itself. the middle of it, yeah. And then depending on the ball and how the ball's made, genuinely, if it's got like panels, it's different if it's just a solid. If it's, you know, those like floater balls you get. That, or the ones from petrol stations. Yeah. Cost, like, like plastic, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they, they move in all like ways, yeah. like a fish. <laughs> uh, and that's because they don't have any panels in that in the air. And there's some sort of aerodynamic thing that is a thing that makes the air uh, do closer to the, to the thing. But yes, to answer your question, I think Wales versus Denmark will be a good game. Great. I forgot, I, sorry, I forgot to ask that question, but just, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, tell me about how bad Russia were, said because I thought watching them as a layman, bad. Lazy, I thought. Really? Didn't match Denmark. I, I think Denmark are a better side. But if you think about the technical ability that they have um, in those two players uh, who play behind Zuba, they should well, be better. Golovin being one, right? Yeah, they exactly. had a couple of chances. Yeah, and Moranchuk as well. I, I just, I, I've been really disappointed with them. Moranchuk had that one nice moment in the last game. Lovely goal, but I just, um, maybe it's because of what happened in 2018, because between World Cups, I don't pay as much, between sort of tournaments, I don't pay as much attention to uh, to the Russian national team as I probably should. Uh, but 
uh, deeply disappointed. And I thought, actually, I thought the second goal that they conceded really summed it up. Just sloppy. Okay, the um, on the commentary team on I think it was the BBC. Danny Murphy said, "Oh, he didn't didn't you know didn't notice where um where the forward was and didn't know where he was passing the ball." I think that's just rubbish. This was the extraordinary right. back pass. You couldn't have picked out a better assist. Yeah. If you're an attacking player, you couldn't have put the ball and you couldn't have taken the goalkeeper in out of the game uh, more effectively. Mm. And it was just it was that kind of mental sloppiness that seemed to be there all night. And they're very fortunate to get a penalty. I don't think beyond a um beyond a Golovin shot in the first half with which Kasper Schmeichel saved with his legs, they were just very meek, very mild. They just they just got run over basically by Denmark. Um, yeah. Yeah. which um despite all the nice things we're saying about Denmark, all of which are true and um, you know, we we wanted to see, um, that doesn't mean that doesn't make a, a provide Russia with an excuse just not to show up. Uh, so yeah. that'd be very, very disappointing if you're a Russian fan tonight, I think. Okay. Well, Russia go bye-bye. Uh, Denmark make it through. Finland finish in third place uh, in that group on uh, three points. And with a minus two goal difference, it could put them in uh, the perilous uh, position of perhaps not being one of the teams that makes it through with three points. Who knows? We're yet to find out, of course. But it's, yeah. it, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't like that position going into it. No, it's the goal difference. You To be sure of yourself, you need to have four points. Three and a positive goal difference. You've got a chance uh, as it stands. Don't know. Don't think so. Yeah. Um, Presumably this means that um, England are confirmed through now. Yeah, it puts England through. Uh, so that takes some of the pressure off them tomorrow night. Although, obviously, there's going to be a big difference between finishing first and second in that group and who you face in the round of 16. Or third. <laughs> or third, potentially. You never know. Um, yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, what was the question, Joe? It wasn't really a question. Okay. <laughs> let's move on to talk about, uh, yeah, you, let's do Ukraine and Austria. Uh, let's get this out of the way, Seb. I'd like you to issue an apology to the people of Austria for, again, just being just being really wrong. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. If anything, the people of Austria should be thanking me for <laughs> what has proven quite a motivational. I provided... The people of Austria <laughs> should be thanking me. I, I provided dressing room um, bulletin board material. Like when, when, when they were in the dressing room ahead of the game, you know, maybe a bit of audio was playing saying with me saying you're, you know, less than the sum of your parts or this has been incredibly disappointing. I feel if anything, I am not getting the credit I deserve. Because what we said was that this Russia, this uh, this Austrian team is really talented. It's full of players that should be performing at this level and should have been a match for the opponents they faced this far. So far, so far. players such as Arnautovic, of course, who who had a Arnautovic, nice game. Arnautovic, Sabitzer, Alaba. These Alaba are good moving. Players. Tell me about Alaba's uh, shift in position because um, he played at left back tonight, right? Or did they move him during the game? No. So what happened is started left back and uh, goal scorer Baumgartner had to go off because he got a knock to the head. Um, and that kind of forced um, it forced Conrad Lima onto the other side. He started on the right of midfield, moved over to the left, with the effect that he actually did a really good protecting job on Alaba and allowed Alaba to to roam a little bit. Mm. Um, and uh, viewers in the UK will have heard Emma Hayes' commentary on this during the game, which is great. And um, she was explaining all sorts of things about sort of his responsibility and and how actually. If, and I've checked this on the um, on the uh, position maps uh, that were published after the game. Alba is actually far in advance of Lima, mm. uh, Lima even, sorry. And it's, it was quite an interesting little dynamic. So we spoke um, after the Austrians' first game about how you kind of activate a creative centre-back. JJ explained that to us. Um, and this was kind of a, a level beyond. It was Alba playing in more of a natural position, the kind of area you used to see him in in club football. Um, 
and it made that that Austrian left hand side much more dangerous. Um, which isn't the same as kind of um, which had no real effect on on how um, dangerous they were through the middle because Arnautovic's um, reappearance made a difference. He had a few bad moments, missed a couple of really easy chances, but he looked really dangerous. Um, and it just seemed as if all the creative players behind him um, reacted to his running, to his movement, to him being on the pitch, and they were able to kind of come much more into the game. So you saw the attacking players behind him actually probably, I mean, I need to look this up, but they seem to be playing about 10 or 15 yards further forward than they were in the last game. And, mm. and they, they look dangerous and they should be because you know, Sabitzer is a good player. We know this. And you've got kind of wide players that can have an impact. Arnautovic is a good player. Um, questionable personality, but good player. And so this was kind of, this was Austria showing that, showing the sum of their parts, basically. Threw on six points as well, which Threw is actually... six points, which actually sounds very impressive now. That is impressive. Well done, me. Well Congratulations done. Congratulations to me. Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations to you and, yeah. of course, to Austria. Uh, Second-placed team in C plays first-placed team in A. So we now know that uh, Italy will be playing Austria in the next round. Is that right? Probably. Haven't looked this up yet. Asterisk. Potentially. It looks Maybe. like it from this. Okay. I mean, I feel like you've got a, you, having the wall shot on your desk during the podcast is a little bit of an unfair advantage. Yeah, okay. Uh, JJ, what chance do you think Austria might have against Italy? Uh, Assu- some... Assuming that that is... Maybe only talk for one minute, just in case that's wrong. <laughs> assuming that is the case, uh, I yeah, I think Italy are just very, very... They're, they're, I think they're the best team I've seen in the tournament. Really? Yeah, but um, the way they play means that if someone gets an early goal against them and can just block the space and defend all game long, then they should be okay. But the weirdly thing with Austria is that they look worse when they're playing their kind of five at the back system. Right. I think they look much better when they go forward a little bit, but because they have players who are better suited to that. I don't know. It's Italy will win. I would. I would have thought. Sure. Probably. The okay. chat is confirming that Austria aren't going to play Italy. Chat Oof. never lies. Chat never lies. Thank goodness. JJ could talk for more if you wanted to. Yeah, well, the thing is, Italy have much better players than them. And I think this is a big advantage. <laughs> uh, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, Austria, like, strong enough team, got six points, but I don't see enough in them. They're, they're not particularly quick. They're not mm. particularly powerful. They don't do anything mesmerizing, but they're, the way they pass the ball, they're neither too defensive nor too attacking. So you could argue that the balance is right, but I don't know. I, I, I thought they were terrible in the, fir- the first game. Was it they were awful? Was it? Yeah, because I got yeah. them in a sweepstakes, so I was looking out for them. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, Italy should be too good. But I, I, the thing with Italy is, when you ever have a team like this, you worry that the, the players go into games knowing that they're that good. Mm. And then it's a small slip. Say Verratti gets caught in possession, or he just slips, or something like that. You know, through ball over the top, and then you run in through. You manage to get a goal, or Alba scores a free kick, something like that. There's always, always a chance, which is why football is such a wonderful sport to watch. But no, there is no chance. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of Arnautovic up against Bonucci, you know? Yeah, yeah. that could be... Uh, that could be a really fun little be individual battle. Hey, I thought Zava Schlager was, was quite good this evening. Sure. Um, and we mentioned him because our, our dear friend Alex brought him up in a Sensible Transfers video mm. a while ago. Or mm-hmm. did, uh, I think I might have vetoed it. Because I think Alex had him going to Real Madrid. And I said, <laughs> I said no. But he was great tonight. And... Sure. Um, really protected that defence, which, by the way, I, I, that's where I think they'll struggle against Italy. I'm not sure those two centre-backs are good enough to play against it, this Italian side, the way that everything kind of comes from out to in and focuses in on the centre of defence. And you've got players like Insigne cutting into the box and taking return passes. Mm. I think 
that's where they'll get undone. Okay. But uh, yeah. Before we move on, and I don't, I don't wish to return to uh, Dark Horse Gate of yesterday, but uh, Ukraine now. Uh, Seahorse Gate. Seahorse Gate. Yeah. Uh, Ukraine now. Um, we were all pretty convinced they were going to win this game. They yeah. did not. They are in third place. Slightly better goal difference than uh, Finland. So it's yet to be seen, of course, whether they can make it through or not with that. Um, what went wrong for them today, Seb? Uh, they were very fearful. It was, I, to me, it looked like a, one of those situations where the occasion gets the better of a team because um, there was no bravery in the passing. Everything was very side to side. Uh, I thought one of the most telling things was that um, Andrei Yarmolenko, who in that kind of situation is very, it's, it remains a, a Ukrainian talisman uh, and goes into a sort of hero mode when his team needs him to and not a shot on goal during the entire game. Also, not really an opportunity to have one either because Yarmolenko likes, Yarmolenko wants to pick the ball up on the right-hand side and he wants to cut in field and he wants to infiltrate that area, um, sort of that little corridor of space about 25 yards from goal. And Austria did a really good job of making sure he never really got there or that he was never in a situation where he was one-on-one with a defender. That's kind of why I praise Schlager and Grealish is... Uh, Worth a, worth a mention too, because I felt that they protected that area really well. They dropped in. There was never any gaps between that midfield and the centre-halves behind them. And so, Yarmolenko never had any opportunities, and we saw almost nothing from from Yeremchuk. We've been really impressed by, actually, during yeah. the tournament. We've, he's had a good uh, a good couple of games, but they were, uh, they were a no-show. They did nothing. Uh, they never really looked like scoring, and... It's really disappointing because I, I wanted them to stay on the tournament. I, I, I feel like a team like that in the knockout rounds, I could have used a couple more games to get you to know those players. And, yeah. yeah. You felt they had to something to give. I did. They are too talented to be out at this stage, I think. Um, and that's a real shame. If, well, uh, they may yet make it. They may yet make it. I think the cutoff is going to be above where they got to, uh, but we'll see. Difficult to see any team finishing on three points with uh, not a negative goal difference, though, and they only have minus one. Yeah, we'll see. We've got a few games to go, but they may squeak through. But if that's how they respond to the kind of the climate in which basically a knockout game occurs, then yeah. I don't know. Um, Maybe scale back my optimism around okay. Ukraine. Okay. Uh, well, on that note, we'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And we're back. Look at that. Lovely, fun break that we had there. And now we're going to go over to JJ Bull uh, to tell us a little bit about the Netherlands, uh, who scored three goals again today um, and were very fun by the by the looks of it. Yeah, I think you, let's um, just put that in context. They were playing North Macedonia, who were not sure. very good sure. at all. Uh, nice moment, though, in the game. Well, I wasn't actually watching this one. I, I just uh, I looked over for uh, for this particular bit when uh, Grand Panda have got clapped off on his uh, substitution. That was nice, wasn't yeah. it? The tunnel of love. I don't know why they chose it. I think it was like 67th minute or something. Almost exactly that. That's because he's 67 years old, I think. Is, isn't it? Yeah, Born in 1967. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I've never seen that before really in a, like a big international tournament. I've seen it at club level, which makes perfect sense. But yeah, I guess it's just an admission that they just knew they were done at 3-0. And I mean, Netherlands were so much better than them. Moved the ball really nicely. Had a lot of pace up front. They played Daniel Malin. Um, Ryan Gravenberg came in as well. 
Jeannie Wijnaldum's outstanding as a 10. Yeah, he's he's going to be the top so scorer good. in the tournament, right? Sorry? He's going to be the top scorer in the tournament, according to uh, Audio Abbey. Is that right? He's one of the, well, he's, he's one of the top scorers now, isn't he? Or the top scorer? He's uh, one behind Lukaku, is that right? I think. I think, I think, I think. I mean, we're talking about this game now, but what I miss for Barcelona that is, he would have been perfect for what they want yeah, to be able yeah. to do. Like, yeah. So, Where did he go? PSG? PSG. PSG, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Got a better offer, apparently. Where does he fit in with Verratti in that team? We shall see. I think the player that ends up missing out in that team is probably Idrissa Gay um, in the PSG side. Oh, uh, they're very different types of players, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're very, they, they are. But if you think about what uh, PSG's week-to-week fixture list looks like, need for yeah. kind of defensive deference in that midfield is kind of low. So, so does Pochettino want Wijnaldum as a kind of Dembele-like figure, someone who can carry, someone who can pass? No, I think Verratti will play the Dembele role really? long term. Yeah, because I think if you, I think he's the better player at picking the ball off the centre-halves. Um, I want, like JJ said, I, I want to see Wijnaldum further forward. I just think he's, he's, he's more fun, isn't he? And you see a greater range of his abilities. I mean, it depends entirely who you're playing against, but I think the problem with PSG's midfield has been, well, they built it to be really hardy and um and ball winning and aggressive right mm. so they, they were they were too loose before now they tried to make them so that Paredes trying to make who else plays there Danilo was he there is he's got there? Herrera there yeah well. so those kind of players yeah. that three so you went to stop things going past you but like Liverpool model model where you you block the middle of the pitch so that you get width and attacking creativity from your fullbacks and then your your wingers are inside forwards and your striker is still a striker I think Wijnaldum uh, will him and Verratti will play either side of the six, I would have thought. And then they can take it in turns to go and when the space is there, they can go. They're both so tactically aware, they're easily able to interchange with each other. There'll be times when they can both go forward, like that sort of free eights thing. But if he's going off the old Spurs mm-hmm. model, then yeah, it's mostly like there's normally a 10, isn't there, behind. So you think when I'll be that, but he'll come into a three for when they need to have three in the middle. It's really interesting when Pochettino at Spurs, his best midfield is probably Dembele and Dyer. So he used Dembele, who would frequently be the deepest man mm. and would, would receive possession in the deepest positions. But Dyer was kind of the more stable element. He was kind of almost a blocker, which was uh, feels a very long time ago from a Spurs perspective that. But it'd be interesting. I don't think it's... In a different context as well, I suppose, a different league where they are defending more often than PSG yeah, might be. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And as well, international football as well, you're playing against kind of worse teams, playing North Macedonia. Spurs don't often get to play against a team that's that... Uh, bad, don't sure. they? Sure. They only play Arsenal here. twice a year. <laughs> Oi. Uh, but yeah, so if you have Ronaldo playing in that sort of game, international football, you can have more fun with him. So you can make him do the fun things he's good at, whereas you've got to be more tactically disciplined, tactically disciplined in a Premier League game so you get a bit less out of him. But yeah, him, Gravenberg, I thought De Jong was superb as well tonight. Again, they're playing North Macedonia. You love De Jong though, don't you? Yeah. You say his name a lot. I like players that do that, that come deep to get the ball and they always, they're on the half turn, so then they just turn and go. And he always tries to carry, so he doesn't always, he can break lines with a pass, but he'll happily carry it and like take on a couple of players and that just turns defence into attack in an instant. It's really important. Um, if he plays beside Busquets in Barcelona just now, and they play a three with that three-five-two they play, and they've got Pedri further forward, but De Jong is just that kind of box-to-box. Because I wasn't sure what exactly his role would be because Ajax he was mostly doing what Busquets does when they does that, and he's super for Netherlands. Yeah, he looks so comfortable with the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks like the ball is a part of his body. I think a lot of these players that come through the Ajax team, like Gravenberg again. So he's nineteen, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I swear, if you like fired the ball at a cannon at him, it would just be dead. He would. I don't know what, what situation you'd be in. Like a weird Game of Thronesy type thing, where you've lined up Gravenberg and De Jong and control this ball or the kingdom falls. Uh, maybe that could be a 
thing. Yeah, so those are players you don't get in, in places like England, Scotland. I think, I mean, looking at Scotland, Robertson's got the best first touch of any player in that team. It's, mm. it's just, you, you can trust it like a video game. Foden at England It's one of the only ones that's got that technical level. It's just, you know it'll be dead when he, when he gets it. I wonder if it's actually that video th video thing is, is right. It's like when you, do you remember when it was 16-bit, when you passed to a player, it wouldn't control the ball. It would just become part of the animation. It's, it's yeah. part of the animation. It's like watching that. I wonder which, um, Gravenbach is, is so, he's interesting because in one sense, he he's like the perfect Ajax player. In another, he doesn't really fit the physical profile. I'm trying to think of the last time they produced a midfielder of that kind of profile that, I don't know, like, because De Jong is the more typical aesthetically. Mm -hmm. And Gravenberch has a kind of, um, he's more of a, I don't know, I think his future is probably as a sort of box-to-box -box type because he's brilliant in every area of the pitch. It's just the way he's built, though. It's just, he's quite tall yeah. and leggy. Rangy, so, and he's got that yeah. sort of, he's got the touch and the technique, but he's also got the energy to go to, to cover the box-to-box -box distance. He just looks perfect for European football. Just like a very Dutch footballer, just an all-round midfielder. You could probably play him in defence. You could probably play him up front. Like a, you know, future as a kind of Clarence Seardoff type, maybe. It'd be really interesting. Yeah. Really well gifted be. footballer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one that I have here underneath this game, Seb, I believe you wrote, was the but the joy of watching uh, football manager Wonder Kids come to life. Hey, that was actually JJ's idea. Oh. So, JJ, this pleased you. Uh, well, the example of Ryan Gravenberg is that I've known about him for ages because of football manager, and it's really fun. I'm sure everyone who's played it, yeah. We'll see like you when you see them in real life, you go, Oh, that's what they look like, and that's how they play. He's won the UEFA Cup with me. I know him. There's heaps in the past. Like, I mean, remember uh, Matisse De Ligt? Um it's that generation of Ajax players. Maybe that's why yeah. I like De Jong so much. He's yeah. like De Ligt, De Jong, um Gravenberg's just below them in a the year. There's a couple others in that Ajax team names escape me right now. Um maybe it was young Cliver. Maybe, uh, but he comes through in that uh, football manager team. And I went to go and see Ajax play and got to see those guys in real life in the stadium. Just felt like I knew everything about them because I managed them all. <laughs> but it's cool seeing it. Like, I remember, I mean, don't want to go back all the way, to, but players like Andre Sigthorsen was a <laughs> star in like CMO 102. And then his brother was Colbine Sigthorsen. Yeah, played played yeah, for yeah, Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Andre never made it, although he was, he was hyped up and escaped and... This is total internet rumour, but I read he became like a baker <laughs> or something like that. I don't know what he did. I'd love to know because I, I loved that guy, even though he was a digital man to me. You see a lot a on the Twitter that you see screenshots of people who've, who've sent Twitter DMs to these FM Wonder Kids who never quite made it and getting a reply or whatever. It must be very strange to be one of those people. Also, particularly if you were, uh, you know, you were touted, um, even so far as touted in a, a major video game to be a, a, a big future star your life and childhood is dedicated towards improving your football ability and that's going to be your path, that's going to be your career, that's going to be your life in some ways. And it falls apart, except you have hundreds of people online rem reminding you of how you failed. <laughs> don't, don't you think that some of those people would be players that they come up against? So say you're, say you're like a 17, 18-year-old youth prospect and you're playing under-23 football. Presumably amongst that group, you're going to get guys that play a lot of football manager and not do opposition scouting, but come across future opponents. And it must be really difficult because if, you, yeah. if you're if you playing and you have a certain expectation so that if someone thinks, okay, well, in 10 years with your minus two potential, you're going to be here in the game. I don't know. It's just, that's quite a lot of pressure to live up to. I think there's, I, yeah. I think Cherno Samba spoke about this. I think he did it with um, an interview with Ian McIntosh about how you're supposed to be a 
one player in a digital world, but quite another in a in the actual one. And the kind of disparity can be quite trying from a, a mental perspective. And I'm, I'm sure it's got to be really hard. Imagine that's just a wider, uh, it's wider spread now. What I mean is if you look at like Joel Cole, everyone knew he was going to be amazing from when he was like 12, yeah. basically. Yeah. I mean, there were rumours that Man United went to buy when he was 12 or something like that. Um, I'm trying to think of other players. I mean, people will know players within their clubs and... Like the football manager has to keep them quiet. Like they, they're not yeah. allowed to register certain players in the game at a certain age. Is that right? Yeah. Has to be okay. Um, I, th- I, th- I think so. Didn't Odegaard have to when when he was on the game for the first time? Didn't he had to get his dad's permission something or like that. something I, like that? I don't know that, enough yeah. to tell you about it, but I know like so they they would deliberately try and hide like the names of youth players. So you can't really scout them so to protect the players, but yeah. also to stop clubs trying to nick them because clubs look through the football manager database. They do to try yeah. and find who the high prospects are. But like Joe Cole's in real life, everyone knew he was going to be big anyway. But he had the mental strength to, to do it. It's not just the talent. Mm. Like, you'll, I mean, who's that lad at Man United that lost his way? The one everyone says was the best player since Revel Morrison. Revel Morrison. Yeah. Again, just probably got caught in the wrong situations. Quite unlucky with where he was and what he was doing. But didn't have the right mentality for it. But there's loads of examples. Like Ricardo Caresma was meant to have been amazing. That like everyone, yeah. like people in video game land or whatever, FIFA, football manager, or just. Actual scouts will have told you he was meant to be the one. Javier Saviola, another one. Saviola, yeah. It's really interesting. I, I actually prefer the way it used to be because now when you when you uncover when you uncover a special player, you're just a YouTube compilation away from seeing what he is and having a kind of filling in some of the gaps, basically. Back then, and I'm you know, I'm giving my my, my age, unfortunately. Um if you if you if you sort of if you sign up when you were scrolling on a rock with a stone, yeah. If you if you signed a, a Pablo Aymar, and he played to a kind of certain, um, if you conform to a certain ideal, then when he emerged in real life and he was just this kind of, he, were, he was the sort of the statue of the Argentinian number 10 with his scruffy haircut and his, his beautiful technique. He was exactly what you wanted him to be. It was a kind of, it felt like more of a, it was a more gratifying sort of revelation. And it was, I think that sense of being invested in a player was greater. Now it's a, I don't know, the internet allows you to share these things and it allows you to, you know, you, if you wanted to go and look up who were the very best players in the game were, you could just go and do that now and sort mm. of cheat in a way. Well, there's another sort of weird um, part where video games and and real life have kind of intertwined. You, you think you've got like, so I've got, I buy a player on Football Manager and he's in my team and I get to really like him and you feel a weird personal yeah. attachment yeah, to that yeah, player yeah. and that does happen. Then you could tweet that person in real life, but Twitter just seems like it's on a computer, so it also seems not real. So yeah. like it's, you're talking to, are you talking to the digital person or the real person who's you really own? Who is it you're talking to? What is going on? Where does it divide? I remember going through a really uncool moment when I was probably about 12 or 13 and I was managing David Beckham and my management style pleased him. And so we became sort of favoured personnel in the game. I was just like, favoured personnel, except stuff of law. That was cool. Not cool, obviously. Not calling like capital letters and and it you know, all went fonts. downhill but from there, massive. didn't it? Everything <laughs> after that wasn't notable. It was significantly less cool afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't believe I shared that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> JJ lulled you into a false sense of security. He's so friendly and yeah, he's no, a nice just, guy. Oh, he's not yeah, going to attack yeah. you for the things oh, you said. No, like I'm Alex would be glaring at me now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was, yeah, that was not cool. Well, you, why don't you should, I'd like it? to round this conversation off, though, Seb, uh, by telling the uh, the listeners uh, that the Athletic has a new little vertical, doesn't it? 
Sure does. We're not actually supposed to talk about that quite yet. Isn't it? Has, didn't it? It's kind it? of, uh, yeah, it's it's happening. So in Macintosh. Well, is, it's live. So it is kind of live. And so you've, you've thrown this over to me and Ian Macintosh is going to be heading up some uh, game related content. I saw some of his ideas today. He tweeted which, that, didn't he? He may have done, but uh, I think it's being formalized in over the next few weeks. But well, I guess it's yeah. happening now because hey, I've said it. So. You know what? Like I've seen some of the plans. I've seen Ian's big pie chart and his his uh, elaborate spider diagram. It looks very exciting. Sure. Very, very exciting. Basically, what, what I meant was like there'll just be some more Football Manager content. Yeah, yeah and we like Ian, so we might do some uh, collaboration yeah. with and him. When he says spider diagrams, he means pictures of spiders. He's just drawing yeah, them exactly. everywhere. No, what you do is like spiders who've walked across like a, a tub of paint and then they just carry on to the That's piece. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's kind of abstract sort of... You know, big spiders, small spiders. type spider art thing. Why don't you have a bit of a talk there, Joe? Well, I was going to say, it's not a spoiler, I hope, to say that Belgium beat Finland 2-0, JJ, in a game that didn't really matter that much, apart from to Finland, to whom it mattered a lot. Uh, it ch- changed most of the team. Uh, everyone who plays fantasy football will be pleased to know that Romelu Lukaku scored, and uh, <laughs> that was good. In fact, the way he scored was really, like, he's, he's a... Obviously, he's become a great striker, but there was a, I saw some clip once where he was, I think he was training with Jamie Carragher and like a Sky kind of thing, and he was showing him how if a tenor gets too tight, like he wants that to happen so he can roll him and mm. go to the other side of him. And this uh, Finland defender, who I can't remember his name, uh, gets exactly caught the wrong side of Lukaku, like in this video, and he just rolls him and smashes him in his right foot. Like perfect, perfect Classic technique. Lukaku, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, perfect striker technique. And it's the kind of thing that, um, you might not notice what he's doing. Like all of all of his body movement and positioning is all deliberate, all designed because he knows he's going to be able to roll him and get into that right foot. Well done, Romelu Lukaku. Well done to him. And uh, they will be going through first in uh, Group B to face number three of A, D, E, or F. So you know, sounds like a good game. Sounds like a real yeah, good game. Nail biter. A def. Belgium versus A def. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway. Uh, there we go. We'll be back after this to discuss uh, Scotland, England, and uh, coronavirus. Oh, no. Not again. We're back. Uh, and I want to talk about coronavirus. There's nothing I'd like to talk about more than coronavirus. <laughs> it's my favourite thing to talk about. It barely ever comes up in conversation. I've never heard anyone. I don't even know what the word means. But Billy Gilmore has it, and other people are self-isolating because of it. I don't understand how you get it. Aren't they in bubbles? Uh, that's also what I thought. And then the odd part is then that uh, Ben Chewell and Mason Mount have to self-isolate also. Because they were near him on the pitch. Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, no, I don't, I don't know. I we don't know. speculate because you yeah. can't do that. But you don't, know, sure. you don't know how they have managed to get it. No one else has. I mean, I know they're all sticking to the rules and distancing and everything, but they go into a changing room together, don't they? In the same. I mean, it's. I think it's great for Scotland that the entire team doesn't have to isolate and then put on, I don't know, like call up the Kilmarnock squad or something to replace them. <laughs> Please don't make that happen. Um, it's so confusing though. Yeah. I, I, I watched Gareth Southgate being questioned about this earlier and he was asked why it was only those two players and I think he was given a question about, yeah, basically why the entire Scottish side hasn't been put into into quarantine. He just sort of, there's, there's, a, there's a certain way of answering that question which isn't just, I have no idea. Yeah. But it's so confusing. Well, the Croatian FA are really not happy about it because I think they, they um, had the upheaval, not use that word in a while, for to move all of their training camps 
to somewhere else. They were supposed to be based in Scotland, weren't yeah. they, for the tournament? And they stayed in, I think, uh, I think they stayed in Croatia. It's Croatia, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. That. yeah. Um, so they weren't happy because I think they were expected if some, someone got it, then all of them would have to have it. And I think I think they had issues with it before in the build to the tournament. I might be making that up, so let's just ignore me saying that. But no Billy Gilmore is what we're saying, and no Mason Mountain and Ben Chilwell. No, I think I think the point is is that you can understand why it is those two because they were shown to have had contact with um, Billy Gilmore, but it just seems really unlikely that they would be the only two. Yeah, uh, if you know Gilmore's been sharing a dressing room the entire with all of his teammates and all of the technical staff, he presumably um, has been shaking hands with every English player. So it's just I'm happy to be corrected and educated on this, but I just don't get it. Yeah, it seems very uh, very arbitrary. Well, I think the one thing that we can say for certain is that the pandemic really sucks, doesn't it? I'm so bored of coronavirus. Just hate it so much. I hate it. I, I hate, hate it. Worst. This is a real original conversation. It <laughs> <laughs> sucks. Let's talk about how it might affect the game, though. Mm -hmm. The two games, I should say. Uh, JJ, we haven't seen you since uh, the Scotland-England game. Would you like to give us a minute on... You know your your thoughts on that because Seb said that you spent three days chained to the Lion in Trafalgar Square afterwards. <laughs> uh, you know, deliriously happy because yeah. uh, of a nil nil draw, which you know I wouldn't insult you to say that Seb did it. Seb said it. But um, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Scotland's performance and how do you rate them going into a you know a game with a Croatia team that I think, frankly, we all think are a bit rubbish now. Um, what I think, I've, I've said it before as well, what's going to happen is we'll get exactly the result below the one that means we qualify for the next round. Mm -hmm. Whether we beat Croatia 8-0 and then someone else beats someone 7-1 or something like that. Something yeah. something will happen. And I'm, I'm going to gauge my levels of optimism tomorrow. But like in the morning of the Scotland-England game, I was quite excited. Yes, you were. So I knew that we were going to be... Uh, I didn't stop saying we, but I knew that it was going to be something could happen. You don't need to stop saying we. Oh, uh, well. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't. Right. When we had got into those English in the game. No. Uh, it was really, I was excited in the morning and then I knew the game would be good. Uh, I had a lovely time watching it in a pub with other people. That was lovely. That felt very nice. And um, the performance, I think, was, this is the thing, Scotland very good at shutting things down and blocking them out need to take those half chances. A couple like very excited with Shea Adams and I think um, yeah. Steve O'Donnell who had to overcome like everyone was slagging him off. He everyone. got absolutely battered off oh, in the first man. game, didn't he? He gets it all the time. He's, he's always had what, it. And why is that? Because he is like, he's joked about it before on the Totally Scottish Football Show, his podcast, which I used to do. Uh, he used to come on, uh, he came on a couple of times and just laughs about how he is technically limited. And uh, he sort of realizes what it is. He's not okay. fast. He's not powerful. He's not got exceptional dribbling ability. He's just an an okay footballer who would do very well at a championship club, but no one's taken him on. And then he's had like that one good game against England, and now suddenly he's linked with all these different clubs. Should have been playing at a higher level. Um, thought he might have been going to Celtic or Rangers at one point. He, like he's a decent fullback, but he's not Andy Robertson. Okay. And you're playing international football and that's what your standards. Tierney, Robertson, O'Donnell slightly before it. If you're talking about footballer video game things, Robertson's like an 87. Okay. O'Donnell's probably like a 75, 4. That's pretty good. That's still pretty good. Yeah, I might be being nice because I really like him. But yeah, okay. he's a, so that's why he's getting slagged off and they think you need to have someone else there. Also, the problem he's got is you've got in the background, you've got James Forrest, who's a winger, so you can't really play him in, in a big game that's England because you can't trust him defensively. Not because he's going to let you down or deceive you, but because he's 
uh, just a winger. He's an attacking, he's go forward. Also, Nathan Patterson's this young guy at Rangers, 19. You really like him, don't you? Uh, he, yeah, he's going to be a great player. He will be Scotland's right back and right wing back. Right. Okay. That is what he'll be. He could be now. So, like, O'Donnell's out of the game, I'd be thinking, fine, this is a reason to put Patterson in. Same way you put Gilmore in against England. Uh, that was just the right time to put him in. He, was, he, he just knew he was. Sometimes you see players play in, like, the Champions League or something. He's just like, I just know Gilmore's got it. He's, he's got it. We're well, going to miss him, right? And that, that was my first thought when I read the news earlier, was that like uh, watching watching Scotland-England uh, towards the end of last week, Billy Gilmore was kind of, you know, one of the shining stars of, of that game. Uh, didn't look out of place at all, looked extremely mature in his position. Yeah. You'll miss him. Maybe, but it's just one game. So the thing, like, you can see he's sure. got it, but also the team's been built around McGregor and... Um, McTominay in midfield mm-hmm. and McGinn and then you take in like everyone says what their best team is but it doesn't matter what best team's best team is it's who they're playing against and what's right for that game Yeah. so they're playing against Croatia what's, what's their strength the midfield you can't beat that really man for man you're not going to outpass them so there's no point in having Billy Gilmore well you can have him but then you'd be playing you'd have to play him in a three and I think Scotland will play a two in midfield because you're going to want more players ar- around the midfield so you, if you play Dykes and Adams then you probably want McGinn behind them to run off if they had the ball on. You've got someone to run and McGinn drops back into the three. Um, then you could think, how do you want to get the ball from back to forward? Because it's not going to go through the midfield. It's going to go either wide. So then if you have, if you play a 3-4-3 three, three, rather than a 3-5-2, you've then got more options wide. You can get 2v1s and 2v2s rather than just a one wing back, 1v2. That makes sense. Right? Yeah, so you've got one yeah. wing back is like a winger. So you, you limit what you've got. So then you want to probably be able to play these early passes from the back. Not just, I don't mean just launching long balls, but you take it forward and then look for the long ball into the channel. Who's the best at doing that? Probably McTominay. So you might drop into the centre back and then you have to worry about who's going to come into midfield. Maybe you put McGinn into the centre midfield role, like two eights. So you'd have McGinn and McGregor and then you'd have Christie or something up front. There's lots of options, but you need to work out what the best thing to do with Croatia and whether you think, so, we, so we've got to win this game. Can't just turn Can't up for a draw. The, draw. the nice thing is, though, that now that we have two third-placed teams with three points, yeah. a win, is it gets you through, right? Four four gets you through. And I'm excited now thinking about that. So yeah. maybe it'll be good. I think there's just something... I just feel like there's maybe something in it tomorrow. There's something in it, I think. Uh, I just, I see how Clark approaches it, because Scotland have been very good at constructing goals. Like, they can score goals often from a set play, like a corner or a free kick, and Grant Hanley smashes it in with his ginormous head <laughs> or you can hit them in transition or you hit long of dykes and, and Fraser pops off one of the things I've noticed in this tournament it's uh, the team who plays at home as in their home ground in Scotland will be at Hamden uh, they're always really good for the first 15 minutes like 5 to 15 minutes they've got all the energy momentum the crowd right behind them they're right into it and that I think will be where Scotland win the game. <laughs> so if they get in there and get an early goal and just keep pummeling them down, because Croatia will eventually grab control of the game mm. and squeeze it out. Yeah. And so then, you want to pummel, pummel, pummel. Yeah, you want to pummel them. Uh, yeah, you just want to destroy them. And then once you're three or four nil up, then you can start taking <laughs> off like, <laughs> start taking off O'Donnell, give him a rest for the quarterfinals. And also... Okay. Then if that happens, Gilmore will return from isolation in time for the quarterfinals, so it's fine. There we go. Yeah. Um, England, Czech Republic, pummel, pummel, pummel. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I was going to say <laughs> was uh, that now that England are confirmed through, I would love to see like uh, them rest some players. I don't think that's going to happen, though, uh, because of the points situation and the finishing positions. 
you, you don't really want to go through third because you've no idea which team you'll end up facing, right? No, you're not going to have like eight changes to that team because winning the game is important. I still think it's a really good chance to see Jaden Sancho though because yeah. the knock on him apparently, according to Southgate, is that he lacks experience in a tournament, which is, let's be honest, that what that means is he doesn't play in the Premier League. Like if, yeah. if, he, if, if Manchester United signed him between now and when the game started, he'd start the game because he'd be a Man United player and that would be enough. Um, but you, this is a chance to give him that. I mean, is there a risk in playing someone like Jaden Sancho in this you game? You lose foot in best player on the team by right. Wales. It's just, it's it's really, really strange. Um, well, Mason, Mason Mount <clears throat> won't be playing, right? Mason Mount can't play, Ben so Chilwell can't play. Well, so there's a change to the midfield for sure. Yeah, I would expect to see Henderson at some point tomorrow, probably yeah. from the start, because if you, we, we think England are through, so... Um, wonder if, if you, I wonder if we'll see Maguire as well. Well, yeah, if you want these guys to be, to participate in the tournament... Um, they're going to have to play at some point because they yeah. both match, they both lack match fitness. This so is the game to do it in. This is the game to do it in. I think uh, Carl Walker will come back into the side. Um, yeah, I don't... Um, does it feel, it feels strange. Like, you, you have one expectation of what England could do because you factor in all the players that... Pummel, pummel, pummel. Pummel, pummel, pummel. Bellingham. Sancho, Sancho, yeah. Sancho, Foden. And then you scale that back because you think this generation's England team is always kind of about eight players that I want to see in it and yeah. three that I think uh, who are the three at the moment um, probably Tyron Mings I think he's played well but I'm not sold he's not um, a generational talent definitely not um, I was disappointed not to see Kyle Walker start the last game I think sure. he still has a lot to give England yeah um, and although Reese James is amazing yeah I still think Kyle Walker gives you more Sure. I, feel, I still think he's he's a better player. I think Reese James will be a superior player over time, but mm -hmm. I don't think he's there yet. Yep. And the other one is Sancho. I, I, I would I would be playing Sancho ahead of Sterling at the moment. Okay. Um, I love Raheem Sterling, but the trick with Raheem Sterling is to put him in games where he's likely to succeed. And yeah. at the moment, it feels as if he starts regardless. Whereas in reality, good squad management is about saying, what does Sterling do well? Well, he's good without the ball, but he's also positionally really smart. He cuts into the right box, into the box at the right times. He um, he's smart with his running. He identifies where the weakness is in a defensive system. He can get yeah. across a fullback or in a centre half. Get in front of players. He does a lot of damage in kind of in those congested areas, like you see for Manchester City. Sancho, different footballer altogether. Like he plays his his, his game um, anywhere really within the attacking half. And at some point, if you want to stop saying he's not experienced enough, you've got to actually go and play him in an international tournament. It's Sesky's more likely to play an, like an unfit Rashford than he is to play. You know, I, I don't. I, I look. I, I know. I come from a different perspective because I live in Germany and I see him playing the Bundesliga. But it's absolutely baffling. Uh, <clears throat> that was the that was the kind of uh, crux of uh, Rafa Honigstein's piece for the Athletic recently. He, I, wasn't I, I, it? I, yeah, no one in Germany understands what's happening. But he's absolutely right, and there's less excuse for it now than there would have been maybe 20 years ago because. Okay, so say he was. This was the 1990s, and you didn't have live German football on BT Sport. The Bundes, what? Exactly. Um, you have complete oversight now. Everyone is aware of what Sancho does. He mm -hmm. does it against some very high quality opponents. It's not well, a all the rumors suggest he, he is potentially about to become the most expensive English player ever. <laughs> so it's not. That you don't be, even need to like know about the Bundesliga, do you? Like one of the biggest clubs in this country is willing to probably break its transfer record to sign him. Also, look at the goals he scored and look at the 
teams he's had an effect against. Mm. Look at his goal against Barcelona, for instance. Get him on the plane. His performance against Bayern Munich over the last few seasons in different games. His performance in the uh, final of the Pokal in Germany against Leipzig. Like that's, these aren't these aren't mug teams, is what I'm trying to say. They're they're not like he's not a flat track bully. He's a world class player, and it's just England just England's reluctance to use him just uh, is maddening. Also, like talking about Scotland before, as good as Scotland were, honestly, I think England were awful. Yeah, and I think they were poor in the first game as well. They were afraid, JJ. They were. We talked about this this morning when 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 you came in. The only player that wasn't really inhibited was Phil Foden, and he was the first player that England took off. Everybody else, sort of, around when it got to about fifty-five minutes, every other England player started thinking about what might happen if they lose. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, you want brave players. Sancho is a very aggressive, brave, optimistic footballer. That's what you want in that situation, not necessarily players who have been a little bit scarred by tournaments past and by negative experiences. Uh, the mentality of the team, yeah. It, it's really disappointing. Yeah, it's, it seems so timid and they're all set to... I just, I think of... Who am I to say? And all I, I have the advantage of seeing things, seeing things with hindsight. But I think most of the tactical decisions he makes tend to be the very safe and often wrong ones. I think it was obvious that, like, in hindsight... That you pl- you're playing against Scotland, who are playing a front two, and you know they're going to play the back three. You just play a three five two or three four yeah. three. You just do it because you've got much better players. So then you, they're trying to match you and keep all defensive. So you match them, and they're supposed to be able to be tactically flexible anyway. And that was the only game he needs to really use it was to be able to yeah. switch to that three. He's got all the players to do it. Doesn't use them. Doesn't use Sancho. Plays Foden on the right. He's been playing most of the season on the left wing, where he can be really effective. You could play Mount and I mean I know Grealish has got this comes across like he's the next Pele, the way a lot of people are talking about him. He's all right, like he's good, but he's not Pele. You stick him as one of the free eights with him and Mount. He's not Pele. And it just makes, it annoys me, like everyone talks him up so much and they don't even play them. And Jude Bellingham is amazing as well. It didn't even get in the pitch. Again, like another example, because that will be, right, he's not experienced, but you have to give players experience. You can't... I know, but I mean, you're playing like... He looks great in the first game. Was, I think it's, it's it's a difficult conversation to have because you you teeter on the brink of being disrespectful or being interpreted as being disrespectful. But that's, that's not what I mean. It's just that if you're not going to play a player in that kind of game in this tournament, you're at home, you're against Scotland, um, and you have superiority all over the pitch. If you aren't bold enough to uh, to take a risk or to, do a de- to make a decision in your selection which is a little bit tricky to justify in the post-game press conference if things don't go well. That's not, that's not great. Steve Clark would have won that game for England if he was the manager. I, you know, you know well, but I, I don't disagree with him because I, we, we spoke about it the night before and it, we had a pretty much the exact conversation that we are having now in that this is what will happen to England and these are the pitfalls for England and these are the things that can go wrong. And pretty much, I think if you go back and listen to that podcast, pretty much exactly what happened. And that's really irritating because it's all so predictable. It's not about foresight or anything. It's just, this is what England do in these situations. Says the game's great predictor, Seb <laughs> Stafford Law, the man who always knows what's going to happen in football. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying and I appreciate it. I'm sure lots of England supporters will agree with it too. I like to think uh, old G Southie, G Southgate, Mr. Uh, G Mr. Mr. Gaz, Gaz He's- Southo. Gaz Southo has my full support. He really does. That's mine. I just no, no. Hey, hey. You can't. You can't. No, no, you no, can't no, go on your we, tirade we, and then not, say he has your full that's support. Not a tirade. No, listen. You're either a supporter or you're not, and you've crossed the line, Seb. In, 
regarding different issues. He, he knows you've what heard he's my, doing. You've heard my he got us to the semi-finals in the World Cup. But you're trusting the process. We've already we've already qualified. You're absolutely right. It wasn't it wasn't a good performance. It was a bad game, right? Yeah. We haven't conceded a goal. We, we're through already. We've only we've only that, played two games. Christian, we've got a great team. We were we were decent. In, we were decent in the first game, right? <laughs> you didn't say Scotland were terrible. Scotland, Scotland don't know how to score a goal. Ever. Scotland were really up for it. Scotland Scotland played a great game. Scotland yeah. uh, lined up really well. All the rest of it. I don't know. I mean, I think it's basically it's basically fine. It's fine. until we're out, and then obviously I'm gonna you know lose your mind, lose my mind. Yeah. But we're not out yet. We're through. We're through. We're through. You're not through. <laughs> How dare you come in here? How dare you come in here and talk about my manager? You're not through. Steve Clark would have won that game. We'll see. If Steve Clark would have won that game, Steve Clark would have won that game. And he didn't. Do you want to tell me about final staging now? Or should we save that for another podcast? Because it was can, really late. We can do it very briefly. Uh, essentially, uh, there is a motion to strip Wembley of... No, finals. it's too boring. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Okay. Uh, let's just go to points are bad so we can go home. So we've already been on for like an hour now. Points are bad. Oh, yeah. uh, you know the game points are bad, uh, as named by the man in my Twitter uh, notifications whose name I, I still haven't checked. Points are bad. The game is that uh, you don't want points because they're bad. You accrue points by being wrong on score predictions. So, for example, uh, JJ today predicted that uh, uh, the... Um, what was the 2-0 game? You predicted Belgium would win 2-0 against Finland. The result was 2-0. Well done, JJ. So he didn't get any points. And that's good because points are bad. And that's better than when I don't remember to predict. When you get three points as a penalty. Yes, yeah. which is worse. You did get five points on the Denmark game, though, I think. Uh, so you are still second place, but only one point behind Alex. Alex is on 55. You're on 56 now. Oh, Seb, it's tight with us. It's tight. You had what a decent day. What did I predict today? I have no idea. But, but then how have you calculated... Well, because I had an idea before, but I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't remembered everything you thought was going to happen. You had a good day. You, not the Austria thing, obviously, but you predicted the Belgium-Finland score exactly right too. Um, and uh, we we gained pretty much the same number of points. We are on the same number now, 62 nail each. Okay. It really is nail-biting. And we're about to move. I'm going to tell you, when we get into the knockout stages... I may or may not introduce some new rules that may or may not benefit me. So we'll, we're going to work it out as we get there. But okay. the main thing to remember is that points are bad. And tomorrow, we promise, when we come back, we'll talk about final staging, uh, where, the, where the final game is going to be. We'll also talk about how to, we'll work out how to work out the permutations. Permutations, because Seb's got a big screenshot here of lots of letters on. In fact, do you want to do that quickly now? Can you do that now very quickly? I mean, quickly? It, that's also quite boring. If you thought no, no, the final go was boring. Because I want to know the answer to this. I still don't understand how it all works. Okay, so it, it's quite easy. Basically, uh, you have to wait until the end of all the group games. And then once you know which groups the third place teams are coming from, then you have a little formula. So... If they come from A, B, C, and D, you know it's going to be one B against three from A and one C against three from D. So there's how a did they work that out? I don't care. Okay, I don't care. Yeah, it's there. It's we trust it. We like it. People I can have been read it off the screen. Tweeting it. People are tweeting it's it. It's on Wikipedia. It's good enough. It we 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 know. Yeah, we, we it works. All right, but we just won't know until we get to the end, really. We have to wait until all the uh, the games are over, yes. Yeah. We will have an idea, and it will start to take place, but we won't be entirely sure until the group games are complete. Okay, well, predictions for tomorrow, then, is the last thing to do before we leave. JJ, let's start with you. I want to know what the score between Croatia and Scotland is going to be. Oh, no. 1-0 uh, Scotland. Wow. Okay. 
Uh, and do you care about the points is bad game, or do you just uh, you just want to? Uh, do I care about the points is bad game? It's all I do. It's all I think That's about. Why I came here? Uh, Czech Republic, England. Uh, Czech Republic won, England won. Yeah, I think that's fair. Seb, uh, what do you make of Croatia, Scotland? 1-1. One, one. Oh, oh dear. And uh, Czech Republic, England? 1-1. One, one. You're just predicting 1-1 one, one for everything? No, I just that's that's where I'm feeling. Okay, that's, that's, fair enough. I think that's... Where is Czech Republic, England game? Is it at Wembley? I have yes. no idea. Yeah, yes, it is. It is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, here's my prediction. So for Croatia, Scotland, Croatia... Outlandish. One. Outlandish. Scotland, three. That's what I think. Points are bad. Points are bad. Points are and bad. And I'm not going to get any points. Uh, Czech points. Republic, nil. England, five. <laughs> <laughs> points are bad, guys. Points are bad. Just don't, just stop the things coming out of your mouth. Uh, those are my <laughs> predictions. help yourself, guys. I can't. I quite want to change my England one. Can I do it? Yeah. I'm going to go Euro 96 on it and see it'll be 4-1 okay. England. Okay, yeah. So you and I are going to be getting a lot of points tomorrow then. <laughs> but hey. The points are good, aren't they? Points are bad. Ah. That's the thing you got to remember about the points are bad game. The only thing you need to remember is that the points are bad. Points anyway, are good. that's the end now. I did, yeah, uh, someone in the chat dubs 31, says Joe thought four and then went five and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> That is exactly what happened in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Points are bad. Anyway, that's the end of the show now. And what we've got, two days left before a break, haven't we? We're going to be so refreshed on Saturday. I promise the show's going to be super professional on Saturday and no one's going to be tired. We're going to remember what's happened and talk about things that are good. Uh, and uh, until then, uh, JJ Bull the Bullet, thank you so much for coming today. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had the best time. There we go. And Seb Stafford Bloor, Bonjour Tarden. Mm, thank you, Joe Devine. Yeah. Thanks as always to our wonderful production team of uh, Craig and Sol. And there you can see Craig's hand. What a lovely hand that is. Fantastic hand I spent many uh, evenings with. Uh, and the rest of his body. <laughs> Great times. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. So uh, until then, au revoir, guten tag, uh, farewell, good night, and goodbye. That one didn't work, did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be in the comments. Oh, God. Uh. <laughs>